Well, we are in a series that is, is uh, called Exile, and it's from the book of Daniel. And last night, we had kind of a spontaneous moment with one of our worship team members named Jerry. He's a guitar player. And so I want to show you the video clip from last night because I didn't want to ask him to do this three more times on a Sunday when he's trying to be on our worship team. But this is, this is exactly what we're talking about when we talk about surprise, when something happens in your life that you didn't expect. Have you ever been there? Well, this happened to Jerry and Amy, a, a big part of our church family here. Just, just take a listen. I've asked Jerry and uh, Amy to just kind of share briefly because this sets up this, this series that we're in in an amazing way. They happen to be in a place called Abaco and Marsh Harbor in the and, Bahamas. And we went out there to, to, to visit our friend A.J. and Shantae. It yep. was our first mission family that we'd met when we were out there. It was our first, first kid in our team. And you happened to be there when this thing called Dorian. <sighs> Dorian, Dorian was, was awful. You guys, they were right in the heart when this thing hit. Death was all around them. They ended up snuggled into a church. Yeah. Matter of fact, these guys' church, right? Well, no, it was a church that we found. We, we started off in their house. Okay. And the house was getting so, so torn apart that we, we, we said, if the eye comes, we're going we're gonna to get out. And then we went to go to a shelter. And then so we ran to the shelter, and, and uh, we got to the shelter, and half the shelter was gone. And the other half was filled with people, and they were panicked because there was no place. So, so you found this church. So we went up the road a little further, and then we found this church. And the whole front of the church was already blown off from the first half of the storm. So we, the pastor and his wife ran us in, and they said, please, you know, come in. Go back here. Go back here. So we ran in this, this little kitchenette area in, in the back part of the church. And How many then, people were gathered in that area? I, I would say about 150 at that time. And then there was, uh, there was about 60, 70 people on the other side that was in the sanctuary area that was like, like this kind of a sanctuary uh, and they were on, on the stage in the back of the church. And is that where it blew out? That blew out. So about an hour and a half after it started the second round, uh, we heard uh, just, it sounded like a freight train just ripped this church in half. It was the most un unbelievable sound you ever heard. All four of the doors in that, in that room blew open. And, and, and then we saw people that were, that were blown out of the church trying to get back in to where we were at. Because that was the, so they were, they were shuffling in. As soon as we knew we got everybody in, we, we closed those doors and we held those doors for, for three hours. We held all four the, in, in groups. So me and AJ and uh, Jim that was with us, we held, we took the church chairs and we slid it up to the door and then we just held the, the, the door with everything we had. And, and it, it was an absolute miracle of God that we, we were, that, that that building held. This, this was 11 hours? We were in there for 11 hours. It was three hours of the violent part of it. But, but it was 11 hours that we didn't know. And now, so, now think about this, you guys, because this really wasn't your plan, was it? No. <laughs> um, this really wasn't something you anticipated. As a matter of fact, was that on a Sunday? Or do you remember? Was it a, it was a Sunday? Sunday because yeah. yep. because you, some of your friends came up to me after one of the services, and they grabbed me and they said, Jerry and Amy are in the heart of this. Cell service went out. They're, they're right in the eye, and we have got to pray for their lives, and we did right then and there. 
But my whole point in bringing Jerry up here, he, you can see he's, a, he's an exuberant worshiper playing guitar. He plays like this, <laughs> which I don't know how you can play the guitar. But, but I want you to see things like this happen to people. They didn't plan on this happening. They didn't plan on being around this much death. And the story to get out of the country, how do, we can't even go into that now. But say thank you to these guys, these yeah, Colts Coleman. Thank you. We love you guys. Thank you. Oh, and Derry. Thank you for those Bless prayers. You. That was the power. The, there, there's such power in prayer, and, and, and we knew that there was a team praying for us, and God's hand was on us Amen. in that storm, and, yeah. and thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, that's what Praise we're here you. for. That's thank why you. we pray. That's why we pray. Yeah. Boy, you never know what can change your life, and you never know how fast it can happen. And, and today, as we talk about the life of Daniel and the book of Daniel, we're really looking more at his life than just all the texts of Daniel. But I want you to just understand that what happened to Daniel was so shocking. It, it, just, it just, here's what basically happened. Last weekend, Pastor Jeff gave a beautiful historical, cultural kind of definition of the book of Daniel. So go online and watch that because every week we're not going to repeat all of that. It would take too much time. But in a nutshell, it goes like this. The prophet Jeremiah came to the Israelites in, in Jerusalem and said, hey, all this is going to get burned up. You guys are giving yourselves to idolatry. You're not taking God seriously. He's angry with you. You're going to be blown up. They didn't listen. They didn't listen. How many of you understand sometimes we don't get serious until we have a crisis in our life? It's just true. I don't like that about us. I don't like it about me. But sometimes it's true. And so that didn't work. And tr sure enough, the Babylonians came in. Very powerful military. Horrible. They just destroyed, plummeted Jerusalem. There's stories of throwing babies up against rock walls and torture. and you know, Horrible, horrible things. And Jerusalem just got besieged and, and blown apart. And I think Daniel and his three friends kind of were the ones that survived this. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine all of a sudden if Fort Collins was besieged by some wacko military that came in here and destroyed all of our government leaders, our financial stability, all of our religious leaders. You're in one of these groups, you're put in some kind of a wagon for two months crossing the desert to go to their community. This is what happened to the people of Jerusalem who didn't die. What a shock. And they're relocated to this new city. Their language now is going to change. Their culture is no more. Their dress code, everything in them has changed. And I think about, I think about these four main guys. Daniel's kind of the main one who talks about this for his life. This was not for a moment of time. This is not... Lord, help me get through this week because I have the flu. Daniel is 17 years old when this happens. And it never changes for him. 80 years. And it never goes back to the way it was. So that's the depth and the heart behind these words of Daniel. And yet he stayed faithful to God. How do you stay faithful to God when you're in exile? How do you stay faithful to God when everything you've known falls apart? Do you have that kind of a strength? Are your convictions that strong? That's at the heart of what we want to talk about today. And it's, 
It's a really amazing story that I want you to just open your heart to and think about how you're going to last and how you're going to make a long-term difference in the kingdom. In Daniel chapter 1, I want to read a few verses. In verse 6, it says, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them. I mean, this is, this is kind of a whole other story, but their, their names had kind of God taken out of their names. And can you imagine? I say, what's your name? You say, Joe. And I say, okay, Fred. I think I'll call you Fred. That's what, well, this is what's happening. They made their names Babylonian names. So Daniel became Belshazzar. Hananiah became Shadrach. You recognize that name? Mishael became Meshach, and Azariah became Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember them, the fiery furnace? That's part of this. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat those unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord and King who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths of your age, I am afraid the king will have me, what, beheaded? Seriously? Yeah, that gives you a little bit of a view into this culture that we're talking about. Everybody's on eggshells. The king can just say, I don't like the way you're looking at me. Take off his head. So we have to pay attention to the sensitivity of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to live as servants in the king's court. And yet, how did they maintain their convictions from the Lord? How did they not yield to the temptation to you know, participate in all the sensuality, the sin, the foods, the things that, that would normally fill that flesh appetite? How did they say no to those things? So, so let's first of all, in your outline, the first point there in your program on the back page, Let's talk about identity. Identity. That's a, that's a real key word for us today. Who decides what your identity is? One of the biggest questions that I have put before you as your senior pastor for, I think, probably at least a decade. I've, every year I've asked you this question. Who are you becoming? I ask it of me. It's more important than who were you two years ago? You know, people say, oh, I started this company. I did this. I was. And they talked about their career, blah, blah, blah. That's all fine, but that's already happened. The big question really is, who are you becoming? Because that shows the kind of patterns that are being developed in your life. And patterns will reveal where you're going to end up more than one-time deeds or actions. Right? You with me? So that's important. Your identity is a matter of becoming. Your identity is not established in such a way that it's unchangeable. There are many things in the cosmos like rocks that are always going to be rocks. Animals that are always going to be animals. But humanity is not that way. Something that is a triangle will always be triangular. Rocks will be rocky. Grass will always be grassy. Dogs will always be doggy. <laughs> and cats, well, they will be catty. That's just how it is. But humans can be inhuman. We alone 
can fail to achieve our identity because we have a free will. We have a choice. And so when you are given a choice the way that we have been given, it's very important to get your identity established based on something God wants you to know and believe. I remember as a kid, I, I, uh, my mom still is an amazing seamstress. I mean, quilts and bed covers and curtains and all my sisters, I have four of them, would get Easter dresses on Easter. You know, it was just a big deal. She's really good at it. But here's what she made me. A Superman outfit. Yeah, a couple years ago. And it was, it, was, it was pretty cool. No, I'm kidding. No, this is when I, this is when I was a little boy, obviously. And I'm, I'm serious. I still remember. I remember putting that cape on for the first time and running outside. And I was faster than a speeding bullet. I was on it. Nothing could hurt me. Why? Because my identity changed. My identity became fictitious. My name itself is Derry, D-A-R-Y. People sometimes, it's an odd name, and, and people say, how did you get that name? And I have, there's a reason why I have the name Derry. And it's because my dad had his best friend in high school. His name was Derry. And when they got married to my mom, he said, if, you, if it's okay with you, if we ever have a son, I want to name him Derry because I have such great feelings and memories of that name. How many of you have a name that's connected to a family name or a middle name or something like that? Just wave at me. Okay. It's part of your identity. It's part of your legacy. People say, that's a Scottish name. Well, that's an English name. That's a German name. We, we say that because there's an identification that goes with these things in our lives. How many of you have an ID in your wallet or purse? We all probably do. I was asked just the other day, I was driving in the car with Bonnie when a nice officer on a motorcycle um, pulled me over and uh, asked me to show him my identification card and registration. He was very nice about it, and I did. And he said, do you know why I'm pulling you over? And I said, I do. I was just having a nice chat with my wife, and I was going too fast, I think. And he said, that is true. He was very nice. I thought, this is going to be a warning. And he came back, and no, he had no mercy. Uh, no, no. Actually, he was very merciful. And I deserved it. Bonnie even said, you deserved that. And I said, I know. I know. Identity. You know, it's a big deal when you think about what makes up our identity. And, and your identity is made up of, of several things. Now, let me just sit, make a statement. Your identity is made up of all the things that you know and perceive. It may not be truth, but, but that you know and perceive about yourself as well as what you believe others believe about you. You with me? That's important. Because our identity is shaped not just by us, by, but by our belief about what others think of us and how they respond to us. We sometimes believe lies about us. Satan has come to destroy our identity. That's his job. He wants you taken out. He doesn't want you to believe in God. He doesn't want you to believe in yourself. He doesn't want you to believe that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. You can read about this in so many different places. When circuses were a big deal years ago, they would take an elephant when they were a baby elephant. 
a wild, untamed baby elephant. They would bring it and they would drive a long stake into the ground and put a chain around the foot. That elephant would fight it and fight it and fight it and fight it. 20 years forward, you could pull that elephant up to a spot, put a little rope around its foot, and it would not move. What was holding the elephant in place was based on a total lie. That rope would not hold him any longer. He was adult. He could walk away and pull that stake right out of the ground. They didn't even have to use a stake anymore. Why? Because the mind of the elephant tried and tried and tried and never could release, so he stopped trying. I see people in our culture everywhere who have this chain around their ankle. They've tried over and over, but Satan has them to the point that they don't believe they can have freedom in God. They don't believe they have a purpose in this life. They don't believe they can make a difference with anybody. They have stopped having hope in their life and they've stopped believing that they have a future that God wants to give them. Hear me carefully. You are made in the image of God. Your identity comes from a God who says you are loved. You are made for purpose. You are made for me. You are a son. You are a daughter of the living God. Think about that. that that's exciting. When I, when I think about that in my life, and I think about my identity, your identity, who we are, suddenly it changes everything if I can put that on my life and in my heart. What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe emotionally about who Daniel knew who he was at 17 years old. Now let's, let's move on. Number two is this. How do I respond when I lose my rights? I could also have put choices there. You know, we're a, we're a big nation of choices, aren't we? <laughs> How do I respond when I lose that? Daniel lost all of that. He could have easily become bitter, angry, mean, mean-spirited. You guys, he lost everything he knew. And as a young person, you young people and young adults in this room, really should, we really should, should hear this. How did he, he keep his temperament in check? And I, I think he didn't blame everyone else. You know, as a pastor, one thing that I've noticed through the years, I've really observed this. When people go into a hard time in their life, whatever it is, emotionally, physically, financially, one of two things seems to happen. They run from God or they run to God. It just seems to be how it is. And, and those that run from are angry, and their logic is God is not love. If God would allow that to happen, then I don't want to follow him anyway. And here's what they're missing. You guys got to get this. It's very important. They're missing the fact that we live in a fallen world. We are in between the Garden of Eden and Revelation 21. We're in a place in our life where sin abounds. We're in a place where we are not fully redeemed. Our bodies are corruptible. There are desires of the flesh. There are evil men and women. There are, there are many things that can take us out. We can still maintain victory over those, but things are going to happen to us on this earth in this time frame that we don't want to have happen to us, right? So please pay attention to what you believe about God. Was this fair for Daniel? He's in a fallen world. Was this fair for us? Is it fair for you? We're in a fallen world. So God's not the creator of all this evil. We made choices in the garden. But one day, this is our hope. 
There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and God will make all things right. That's what keeps us going. So sometimes I think about my rights or choices. Have you ever had like a, bought a ticket to a concert and you had an assigned seat and you go sit down and it's right behind a post? And like they didn't tell you that it was behind a post and now you can't move, they will not let you. Or you go somewhere, where I played golf at a golf course one time and I didn't know this, that you had to have a collared shirt. This used to be a real big deal and I had kind of a t-shirt thing on and and they said, you can't play on our golf course. I said, why? Because you need to get a collared shirt. And I said, oh, okay, well, I don't have one with me. And they said, well, here's our store. <laughs> or a preset menu at a banquet. Don't you love those? You know? What, what are my choices? Well, we have chicken. Okay, what else? We have fried chicken. What else? We have chicken that's covered in gravy. Chicken. I'll take chicken. I like chicken. <laughs> right? There's, there's one choice. All these things are little. But think about the loss of health. And I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm being honest. There are people who love Timberline, who came to Timberline for years, that are in nursing homes right now all around northern Colorado who can't get out of bed. That's why we go to them. We have services in nursing homes. We provide music. We help. We serve. Why? Because physically they can't do it anymore. Last service, Rich and Becky Dixon sat right here 32 years ago. He was putting Christmas lights on his roof of his house and fell off, broke his back. Now he's in a wheelchair for 32 years. He's, he's stuck there. And I share that with permission from him. How do you respond when things like that happen? Financial decisions or disaster that put you in poverty. Daniel lost his place in life, but he remained faithful to God. How do you do that? I'll tell you, there are a lot of ways you do that, and we're going to jump into it. God does have a plan, and he will always be there with you, whether you feel him or not. Your circumstances may change, but he's going to be with you in those circumstances. Number three. Am I shaped by my or others' thoughts about me? Is it just what I think about me, or do I give too much to what others think about me? How am I shaped in these ways? There's a, there's a passage in James chapter 1 that has to do with the wisdom of God and seeking that wisdom, and I want to read it. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God who will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, now this is really important, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in everything they do. So you know why Daniel was successful? It's because he was anchored to God. He determined that he was not going to put one foot in Babylon. I'll navigate here. Daniel did not pick it. He did not blow up. He did not try to overturn the government. You know what he did? He lived with kindness, peace, grace. He did what he had to. But he kept his faith in God solid. Now, there's a time to stand up. There's a time to protest. I get that. But he was in a culture that could have had his head whacked off just like that. And he knew it. And he was respectful. And he paid attention. 
How would you like to be renamed, thrust into a new language, have a whole... He had new clothing. He didn't even wear the same kind of clothing. Matter of fact, there's talk in parts of Daniel to decide what kind of hat he could wear. He, he had no choices. This was all because he was ripped out of what he knew and put into someplace new. What is giving you your identity? I think about our culture and what it tries to tell us about our identity. Well, you can't do that. You know, you're too old. You're too young. You shouldn't be doing it. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too poor. You're too tall. You're too short. I mean, we have, we have this stuff in commercials and magazine covers, and we're fed this every single day, what a beautiful person is supposed to look like, how you're supposed to be, what a successful person is supposed to be, what your bank account is supposed to be. You know, that's not on God's ticket. And we have to really really put a a shield over our mind and our heart to not buy into these lies that Satan tells us. You are beautiful to God, created by him. You know, you are his idea. (laughs) You're his idea. And your identity should come from what he says about you, and he says you are loved. One last thing about this, and we'll move on. Um, Don't live by comparisons. When you start to compare yourself with others, bad things happen. You become prideful if you perceive that you are better than. It's a no-win. And you become insecure if you perceive that you are less than, whatever it is. So either way, you never reach your fullest potential. You either stop because you're already above whatever or whoever, or you, you accept the fact that you're down here and you're never going to fit into that next level. And there's nothing in the Bible about that. Fourth thing on your outline. What does it mean to stand up for something? What does it mean to stand up for something? You know, you hear people say, take your stand. Well, there's some truth in that when it comes to the moral code and stuff like that. Matthew 6 helps us kind of get this navigated in our lives. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money or mammon or material things. So this is our freedom. Daniel teaches us that even when our world is falling apart or has fallen apart, you can remain steadfast in your faith and in your convictions that you have established, even as a young person. So how do I do that? You know, I, I really like to take some time and say, what would be some takeaways from Daniel's life that we've talked about today that you could put on the fridge and really look at them every day this week? And I encourage you to do that. The first one, three things to think about. The first one there is this. Do I know who I am? That's a, that's a question that just, it should be a, not, a kind of a common question that you ask yourself routinely. And who, who am I becoming, along with how we started Do I know really who I am? Will I believe what God says about me? Will I really believe that I'm forgiven? Will I really believe that that I'm a child of God? Can I really have this hope? The The second question is, have I made a resolve on how I will live? Have I made a resolve on how I will live? Daniel now, if you're a teenager in here or a young adult, this could, this could really apply to you in a, in a big way. Because some people think you're too immature to have a resolve that won't change in your lifetime. Daniel 17. 
never changed his resolve to follow God. I'm, I'm alarmed when I hear people say things like, oh, when I turn 18, what, you won't believe where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. Or when I turn 21, this is, this is my plan. I get that to a degree, but I'm worried about that because it means they haven't made any resolves in their life to say, this is who I am. This is what I will be when I'm 80 because I'm going to resolve to live. It's like David saying, as for my house, I will serve the Lord. We're, we're putting or putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is who I will be forever. Man, if we could learn to make resolves and not get wishy-washy on our moral code and our decisions and caught up in the moment and emotions flare and all of a sudden we're making bad decisions, why? Because we haven't had a resolve to say, this is my decision about that topic. Last thing. Will I be faithful when I suffer? Will I be faithful when I suffer? I don't want any of you to suffer. I always, when I write these questions, it's usually some time out before the weekend they come. So I always like to go back on Thursday or Friday or Saturday morning before a weekend like this and, and answer these questions. And when I answered this one, my answer Will I be faithful even when I suffer was, I hope so. I think so, but I hope so because I haven't suffered that much. My life hasn't been all easy, that's for sure. But I don't know suffering the way, the way Daniel. I, I can't even comprehend. I don't think you know how you're going to respond until you suffer. You know what I mean? You know, you know what I'm saying? So, so when, you, when you look at a question like that, you need to really preface it by, I'm not sure I have the experience to assess what, how good I would be at this. I better pay attention to not be overconfident in my spirituality. Because suffering changes the way you think. And I've seen it. I've seen it as a pastor. Why don't you just do one thing? Examine your reactions when you don't get your way. Just examine it. How do I respond when I don't get my way? And I deserve to get my way. I hear people as a pastor all the time saying, oh, America's going to hell in a handbasket and can you believe what's happening in our nation? Let me tell you something. Compared to what other countries have in our world and in our, America is the greatest place to live on earth. It is. It doesn't mean I like everything that's happening. It doesn't mean that, that it's gonna be easy. I think it's gonna get tougher. But I have a resolve, how about you? I'm going to serve God. Let's pray. Lord, we really need you. We really need your spirit. Moments like this shape our future. Decisions we make when you're talking to us and loving us and molding our hearts, our minds, the way we think. Give us resolve like Daniel had, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Lord, how in the world can we live in a culture that does not acknowledge you as Lord? Show us how. With heads bowed in here, I'm going to ask you to just, don't, please don't be afraid to be vulnerable. We call this our living room because it's a place where we really want you to let God go deep in you. We're a church that believes in the moving and the working of the Spirit. 
That means stuff man can't do. And it's moments like this that can happen. So give that moment to God. How many of you are in a situation where either some of your rights are being taken away, you're angry, you're frustrated, it's real, you don't know what to do, it's just frustrating, you just feel it all over you and you just need to say, God, and we're going to pray for you. Just lift up a hand if that's you right now. I just want to pray over you, that's all. Lord, this is frustrating to us. And it's not always our fault. We need you. We need your spirit to help us. We need to hand you our anger, our frustration, our harsh words, our judgments. We need to trust you. Show us how to do that, Lord, in an ugly world that doesn't teach us how to do that. It's all about getting even and getting our way. Deliver us from that. Show us a higher plane to walk on, to live on, to trust you with. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you might be dealing with insecurity. I don't think I could speak this message and not give you an opportunity to be prayed over. If the world has crushed you, and you question your ability, your worth, your value for any reason. Yeah, I don't want you to raise your hand to this, but I want you to just say yes under your breath right now. That's me. I'm, I'm struggling with my own security and my own life and my future. Lord, would you touch my sisters? Would you touch my brothers? Don't let us fall into the comparisons of this world. We are beautifully and wonderfully made. You do have a plan. May we rest in you. May we work hard to find it, but rest in you. We trust you, Lord, with the hard things, the challenging things in our lives. Heal people today. Heal their minds and hearts. Heal marriages that are broken, children that are hurting, young people that are confused. I pray, God, that you will speak something very solid over us to have resolve in a culture that doesn't want us to have it. If you're here without Jesus, just say this with me. Lord, I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. I want to give my life and my future to you right now. I know I need you. And I do that of my own free will right now. I'm yours. Spin me. Thank you, Lord, for these things. And everyone said amen. Amen.